through. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm right here with my main man, Jake Galley, and right next to me or in front of me, we got Stat Matt crunching numbers. Guys, how are we feeling on, on this Wednesday? Good. Yeah. Somber, obviously, little, with little the events s- that transpired this weekend, but we'll we, get into all that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to those, but there there is a big event that's happening this coming weekend that's kind of gotten lost in the fold a little bit as this week has transpired, but the Super Bowl is happening on Sunday, which... Is exciting. A lot of people should get up for it. What's pretty funny, FanDuel, who's running all these you know promotions and all this sort of stuff, they can't use the name Super Bowl. No. So they call it the big game. Like, we have all these bets for the, the big, big game. game. Like, strictly refer. It's hilarious. So I, I work. The studio we're in right now is 99.5 WJBR. Shout out to them. And I, I work here during the day, and they're doing a promotion on air with two jocks. And they had, like, you know, they had a dog. They, they had a dog go to, to two treats, one labeled the Chiefs, one labeled the 49ers, and they can't say Chiefs, 49ers, Super Bowl, Miami, NFL. What? Like, they can't, like, so it was... The Miami? Most, they can't say <laughs> Miami. So it was, like, like the most generic thing they're trying to do. They're like, all right, we have, you know, setting up for the big game. We have blah, blah, blah's name. Is it going to be San Francisco or is it going to be Kansas City? Oh, he chose Kansas City for the big game. Congratulations. Like, you barely knew they were talking about football. It was hilarious. Yeah. But side note. Typical NFL. Yep. Tip- whatever. But, all right, here comes a fact straight at you. Two of the biggest wins this year for the 49ers were a 48-46 win in New Orleans in which Jimmy G was 26-35 of 35 for 349 yards, four TDs, and a pick. And the NFC Championship game win over Green Bay where they had 42 rushing attempts and only eight passing attempts. How do you think Kyle Shanahan will attack KC's defense come this Sunday? Uh, you know what? With how dominant their running game was uh, the last time out. I, you got to ride that, right? You think in you gotta my ride that? opinion, like that's what Kansas City's going to be preparing for. I would go, you have receivers that can beat people one-on-one. Yeah. Kansas City, um, you, if you remember going back to last year, and they're an improved defense from last year, but like they got victimized in the passing game, and that was their one weakness. And I think when you game plan for a certain thing, like right out the gate, if you because Andy Scripps' his first 15 plays, at least on offense, um, and as a whole likes to kind of script and have the beginning of the game laid out before they, they begin the actual game. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I really do see this being a Jimmy G, can he win it type performance. And I, to, to be honest, with the game that you said in New Orleans, like he has done it in the past. There's proof out there that he can do this against elite teams. Well, it's also a proof that Kyle Shanahan, when he needs to, can adapt and adapt on the fly. If I need to run the football, a la Green Bay last week, I'll run the football. If I need to throw the football, I need to put it in the hand of my quarterback, he will do that. They, I mean, they've won the nasty 9-0 game where no one scored any points against Washington. They've won the complete shootout, which they won in New Orleans. They've won it all and in between. So I, I think, if, if anything, more than it's going to be have to, you know, it's going to be a Jimmy G winning the game. It's going to be, can Kyle Shanahan adapt? Because it's the Super Bowl. You're going to have to adapt on the fly. Uh, let me just say, like this doesn't really necessarily have to do directly with his game planning, but it was staggering to me to hear a story about Kyle Shanahan when he was with the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl during media day. He, quote-unquote, misplaced $30,000 worth of Super Bowl tickets. Like, they're just gone. Like he's Who like, did? Books it. 
Kyle Shanahan. Like his family's like Super Bowl tickets. Like we're in a backpack. He looked down. It was gone. He the the next team of Patriots are in there. He's like hat down, like looking around for him. I'm not sure if he ever found him. Like that's like to me, like that's a huge red flag. Okay, why is that this a red the biggest flag? game of the year? All facets, all facets have You're to right. be ratcheted You're down. You're right. It's the biggest the game of the year. Big, I think the bigger red flag is the fact that he blew the game by not <laughs> running the ball in there at the 21 no. yard line. Right. Forget, forget all of that. Uh, it's the fact that he did not know where all of his Super Bowl tickets for his family were. It's just very disconcerting if I'm a San Francisco fan. Look, if I'm Kyle Shanahan and like I go back to my family, I go, oh, I'm sorry, I misplaced it, and they're mad at me for misplacing Super Bowl tickets. You got the most spoiled family of all time. Well, plus, dad. Imagining Mike probably could get them Super Bowl tickets through the back back alleys of knowing people in the NFL. $30,000 so. worth? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyways, back to the game. I, I think that we're going to see a clash here between the – I mean, this is prototypical. You think back to uh, when Denver played Seattle, and Seattle destroyed them with that defense. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the same matchup where it's dominant all-time offense uh, versus – a very, very, very good defense. I don't want to get away from the Niners' offense, offense just yet. There, there is something to be said of why they're so successful running the football. One, when you have like three to four legit running backs that can tote the rock, like there's always fresh legs coming into the game, and we see it. You know, some. I mean, before Tevin Coleman's injury, Tevin Coleman would have a game. Okay, then we saw the the emergence of of Raheem Mostert. But I think something that's been very consistent in the Niners' offense is they brought the fullback back. Yeah. Both of these teams kind of have. How you check loves you it, baby. You see what I just did there? The fullback back, you know, you see. They gave him a huge contract a couple years ago, and they laughed, and they laughed, but it's paying off. I yeah. mean, look look at what he's what he's done. When like when he was hurt, the, the, the offense kind of fell apart without him. They weren't able to do much. When he came back and when he was there, it was amazing. Week one through Weeks one through five is 5.57 yards per carry. Weeks week six to eleven when Yuschek is hurt, three point seven five yards per carry. Like you can see, it significantly go down. He comes back weeks twelve up to now, five point six nine yards per carry. There's nice. no like there's no if ands or buts that Kyle Yuschek really helps that offense. Well, He's clearing people out of running lanes. And, and not only that, it's when you're a defense and you have to account. Okay, this guy most likely will be a blocker on this play, but. He's still a liability for a defense in the passing game as well. Yeah. That's why they run. Um, it's funny. The Niners' offense reminds me of like almost like a rich man's Titans offense, where they're primarily a run-heavy team. Their quarterback has. But they do it with style. They shot, run with style. Well, they're they're much more innovative than yeah. the Titans. Well, the I think, thing but. with Juszczyk is that he is built completely differently from other fullbacks because he's smaller than old fullbacks used to be and lighter because. Defenses are more versatile with their mm-hmm. speed, so he can match up with the linebackers they, he has to block. And they even re-innovated the fullback position because he he runs routes like he does. He's not just like a little safety net. Like they'll have Kyle Uzcheck running wheel routes twenty yards down the field, and his man can catch the ball. Right. So it's very difficult as a defense to kind of account for something like that because if you don't respect the run, they're going to do exactly what they did against Green Bay, and you're going to get flat. What, but that's why I think the Niners, if you have you have such an advantage there, like, yes, the Chiefs were able to overcome a good running offense last week with the Titans, but they didn't have to deal with the bevy of backs that you have plus the ability that you actually have maybe the best blocking tight end in the league in George Kittle, and now that you have a useful fullback, they didn't have to. They didn't have to deal with that last week with the Titans. You throw something new on top of that running game. Look, make them make them prove they can stop that before you make Jimmy G throw the ball, and then you go back to we have a quarterback who we hasn't lost us a game yet. That's my second option. Right. I like that. 
Yeah, it's it's it'll like be that. it it'll be fun watching what they do on offense again. I think they'll try and come out early, much like the Titans did against the Chiefs, and back those safeties up with some play action. Go deep to Emmanuel Sanders. Go deep to Debo. Um, this game, you know, and now that we're talking about it, like this game may go over. I'm not exactly sure what the over under is, but. 55. I, 55? I'm starting to think it might be more of a shootout half, as, we, yeah. as we talk about it. 54 and a half is the over-under. Uh, that is pretty hefty. I don't know. That's 28-27. Yeah, That's 28-27. Usually, usually you want to bet overs early before inflation happens. Like, everyone's betting the over. The line will keep getting adjusted up and up and up. So, at this point, I, like, from a betting angle, I don't know if there's a lot of value. But in terms of a game, I'll just say, like, I think it's going to be more of a shootout than people expect. That's all. I, that's all I say. Yeah, I expect it to. I expect a lot of points to be on the board. Right. But anyway, switching switching gears, um, going from the Niners' offense to the Niners' defense. That's the next focal point, obviously, for the 49ers, and it's just as intriguing. It's led by obviously Richard Sherman, who has you know is maybe up for comeback player of the year. Is probably going to be comeback player of the year. One of the best um, you know DBs you know in, in all of football this year and he really captains a really exciting 49ers defense it's crazy that he's back on this stage where just I mean it seems like he got all the clout was, on it too he got all the clout he was on screaming stage. in in uh, Michael Cra- or, uh, right at Aaron Andrews about I was Michael mad at Crabtree. him for that don't don't I know he wasn't yelling at Aaron Andrews he was kind of just yelling like through Aaron Andrews but don't don't yell in my wife's face like that <laughs> Like who you think you I are? used to I used to really dislike Richard Sherman and he's come around for me a little bit but uh Why'd you dislike Richard Sherman? Cuz you dislike people for dumb reasons. Ah, uh, the whole legion of boom kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like they're arrogant. That's what I, mean. I regret my hatred of them. I don't. Why I do don't. I why? Eagles fans Looking back I really liked no them, reason. but at the time I didn't and I mad at myself. I think I think Eagles fans just end up hating like, like who's on top of the NFC when they're not. Nah, it's well all Philadelphia kind of has like a, a very small inferiority complex, so that could play into it. But like, looking back on it, <laughs> very small inferiority. Complex. Looking back, like I was happy, like watching the pain in Richard Sherman's face when they threw that interception on the one yard line. And this is the <laughs> Patriots, who I despise. Like, to be fair, the Patriots hadn't won a Super Bowl in ten years at that point. Right, they so I was cool trail. with it. But getting back to the Niners' defense, you got issues. You got issues that you got to really like. A whole bunch of them, yeah. <laughs> you really got to like deal with. The issue that I think is going to be playing into this game will be who can stop who in the trenches. It's, the uh, trenches going to win this one. Right. It's, it's going to be a battle of the trenches. And if you look at the Chiefs and their offensive line versus the Niners' defensive line, who it's obviously all the press coming to this game is how good they are. 16 of Patrick Mahomes' 17 interceptions since 2018 have come with Four or fewer pass rushers. More, D- more DBs back right, there. Right, yeah, when Less you have lanes more DBs. Less to throw in. Exactly. So then you go and look at those, and how does that apply this year? The Niners have the top hurry percentage in the league and the least amount of, uh, or excuse me, the fourth least highest blitz percentage. So they're not sending guys, but they're still getting They don't there. need to. You, the, four, the four dogs that I got coming after you is all that I need to get to the quarterback. You know what I mean? But Between Nick Bosa and crew. So I, I, I completely believe and, it. And that's resulted in the shortest average depth of target against them, which coming into the game, like my initial thoughts was, okay, they're going to kill them underneath, little check downs, try and get those linemen flowing downfield, killing them with the screen game. But, like, that kind of plays, again, like think about back to the Denver versus Seattle. 
Denver tried to throw that ball short, and they were getting crushed, crushed. killed. Because when your DBs can come up and your DBs and your linebackers the Legion can come of up Boom was like space. historically great. The Niners are just like really good. Uh, <laughs> There's a difference. Uh, I mean, the Legion of Boom is historically good or historically great because they were this good for years and years on end. We could just be no, watching but they, the start they of they a had allowed, great defense. They, they had 14 touchdown passes thrown on against them that year and 28 picks. Which is just nuts. Yeah, like a two to one touchdown to interception, like flipped interception to touchdown ratio as a defense is, is absolutely insane. But to that point, we could be watching the start of a historically great Niners defense, which the, and their whole game plan. And you were about to allude to it is we want you to throw short, throw short and in space because our guys can come up and make. Quan Alexander now back with them too. I love Quan Tyrilla. So like he, he, come back and make plays in space, and you know the Chiefs. Don't like to throw short, but if Patrick Mahomes is going to have to dump some balls off, going to have to play some screens, the Niners will happily take that. Right, and going back to, like, why I think this game might might be a, more high-scoring than some think, like, Kyle Shanahan gets all this praise, as he should, for being very innovative. Um, I was watching, like, a – I'm not sure if it was a sweep play, but essentially they have a guy come in motion and then, like, reverse field and come as a lead blocker. Like, there's a lot of crazy stuff he does with all those tight ends, but Andy's just as good. Andy will do some stuff that leaves you scratching your head like, what the heck just happened? So, Especially with this offense. I'd imagine Tyreek Hill, they're going to try and get him involved. That's, uh, I, I think Andy Reid gets very creative early in this game. Like you're, you're dealing with a defense that puts you in a box, so you have to do something to kick out of it really early. It's going to have to be you know, a, a Patrick Mahomes naked boot to the leg where, or naked boot to the left where Tyreek just goes down the field. Maybe you see some sort of halfback pass. Maybe you see some sort of that little shovel tight end screen with Travis Kelsey. Like, I think he's going to get very, very creative early in the game. And, and when you look at how this Niners defense has played versus the best receivers, the best of the best, you look, and this might be a sore topic for you, they held uh, Godwin and until, Evans. It wasn't until you said that. Until I said that. They held him to Godwin had 53 yards. Evans only 23 yards. Uh, that's obviously the one number one and two uh, yardage receivers, I believe, in the league. That right there is the best receiver duo in the league that you just named. Right, no doubt. And they shut them down. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., not a great team, but still only two catches, 27 yards. You go back to the NFC Divisional round. Diggs had 57 yards. Thielen, 50 yards. So they're very good at clamping down on who you want to go to. Yeah, least amount of passing yards given up overall this year. Like, if we, your go-to guy is not going to beat us. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. The secondary guys are going to have to win. Now, we've seen Sammy Watkins explode for games. We've seen Travis Kelsey explode for games. Right, the seen, the 49ers have allowed a league-low 33.5 yards per game to tight ends this year. Mm. So, okay, Travis Kelsey out the window. But we've seen Sammy Watkins have big games. We've seen Michael Hardman have no, big games. No, I really games. like Michael Hardman. Like, I don't know what, like, Michael Hardman anytime touchdown, what those odds are at. But this is the type game where, like, you think you have everything covered and Michael Hardman is streaking down the field for, like, a 60-yard bomb. I, I have know. a weird feeling Michael Hardman takes one of these a punter kick. He's also, off. right, he went to the Pro Bowl as one of the uh, punt returners. Yeah, but I got, I got a weird feeling. Yeah. Interesting. But time, time for the Chiefs' side. You want to lease him? Yeah, of course. Despite the Chiefs ranking 29th in rush defense DVOA, they held Derrick Henry to 69 yards on 19 carries. That's 3.69 yards per carry. It's not very good for the uninitiated. But his lowest yards per carry since week six. Mm. Was the AFC Championship game a fluke, or will they find similar success against San Fran? I don't think it was a fluke. I think it was... A, a, a better team, a more talented team with a game plan, eventually 
coming into shape, coming into form. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, they, they don't have a good run defense. So the Titans were going to come out and punch them in the mouth. There was no secret. The Titans were, if the Titans could have plastered a sign in Arrowhead that says we were going to run the football all game, they would have done it. There was no secret. You're going to have to stop Derrick Henry until you prove you can do otherwise. They eventually did. He had, what, 62 yards at half, a pretty good first half, and the second half didn't do nearly as much. So they eventually came, um, you know, to, to take shape. So I think that if the Chiefs can do, you know, kind of follow the same game plan, start seeing tendencies, start filling gaps, they have a good coaching staff, I think eventually they can start to stifle the run game. Yeah, and when you look all year, I mean, they're the fourth worst team in terms of yards per attempt, 4.9 yards per carry. Uh but they did it by numbers. It was a numbers game for them against yeah. Derrick Henry. You gotta show nine. You gotta and, show nine. And he, and he he was number one against stack boxes all year. So this is even more than just the game plan. This is the players executing. I know Frank Clark was a guy who was extremely vocal. We're gonna shut him down. We're gonna do X Y Z. And it's funny because if you listen to media day, they're clearly clearly coached up what to say and what not to say because he was super respectful mm. of everyone on the Niners. Oh, they're the best. They're the greatest. They said, don't put your foot in your mouth this don't time. Don't give them any bulletin board don't. material. And I, I think going back to the stack box point, when you stack a box with, you know, eight or nine, what, that's basically a blitz. Like you're basically going out. You're, you're playing the run. Everyone's going uphill. One, that, that, that does two things. One, when you have so many people flying to the football like that, that opens up natural lanes because people are just flying all out to get the one person. A natural lane will open up a good running back like Derrick Henry. We'll see it and exploit that lane. Two, when you have that many people, now there's no complicated blocking scheme. It's just fire out and hit whoever's in front of you and move them. And when you – like, the, the Titans offensive line has been outward and saying Derrick Henry is one of those guys where you don't have to create a huge hole, a great running lane. You just have to move the pile. If I move the pile forward, Derrick Henry is guaranteed to get five yards at least out of this run, if not more. If he gets to the second level, it happens. So I think that's why he's had so much success against stack bots because I don't have to do anything special. I just right. lower my head and run. So if they stack the box, which I expect that they will, they're going to be counting on their – one high safety who maybe it's Tyron Matthew, maybe it's Sorensen back there. But when you look at their passing defense, they rank sixth in pass defense DVOA. That may fly when you do that type of stuff against Ryan against Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. But Jimmy G threw eight passes last week. Ryan Tannehill, also the game before they played the Chiefs, threw eight passes. Like, it's the right? It's kind of the same thing that's being mapped out. Right. It's very funny that these teams that they're facing is like, I don't know. Well, I, I, I again – Anything can happen, but I, I just think Jimmy G, we're really going to get to see what he's made of because I think this game will come down to can he win it for them because I don't think they're going to let the run beat them. They're not going to. And then it comes down to can my not depleted but maybe undermanned secondary. It's it's uh, it's a man-covered secondary against Jimmy G. Who 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 do you who are you taking in in that bet? It's it's and to me that's a coin toss. Like I haven't seen much at least in the playoffs for Jimmy for me to say like Jimmy G handles a man Frank Clark versus coverage. Joe Staley will also be really interesting. That, that's and, very true. Right, yeah. And, I mean, we, we didn't touch on it, but just D. Ford, really quick. There's some amazing stats on D. Ford on the other side when you look at Dude, how that's he, so hilarious because D. Ford is now facing the team that he prevented. He costed from. that. Isn't that <laughs> crazy, dude? But he's been great. His sack rate when he's on, or the, the team's sack rate when he's on the field is 15.8. Compared to when he's off, it's only 5.7. Like, again, I've mentioned it before. It's going to come down to the trenches. A lot of times these games do, but, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really going to be able to see what, you know, D. Ford and the Niners defense can do against that electric Chiefs offense. I mean, we, we saw it, what, 
three games in a row now in these playoffs that they've been down. Looks like they're out, and then they just come roaring back. Their ability to score quickly and come from behind is amazing. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is really unstoppable when his team is behind. Um, with a, a 0 to 20% chance to win, Mahomes only needs 20 dropbacks to complete that average. That's best on average uh, in win probability in the NFL. The next best is Russell Wilson with 50 dropbacks, more than 30 dropbacks that he needs to complete that comeback. He's such more a than- cheat code. Like, that's used a lot, like, on, like, Bleacher Report. Well, he's a cheat code. Now, like, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is actually a cheat Insta code. Insta the Because there's a two-week gap between the title games and the Super Bowl, people talk themselves into really stupid takes. And it's like, well, is Mahomes really that good? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, he's absolutely well, fantastic. Well, it's because when you're watching stuff like this, these comebacks, when you're watching him, and, and you're right, and you take two weeks after it to digest – you almost digest it too much. You're like, nah, what I watched, that was that can that couldn't have been real. Like I had to be like <laughs> right, dramatizing it. It's a fluke. It's a fluke. I was it dramatizing it in my head. I'm remembering it wrong. Like I didn't really watch him come back from twenty one down in the first quarter and put up fifty in three quarters. I didn't really watch that. He like, makes, I can't be right. He's one of the guys who make the extraordinary look ordinary, and he does it quite often. Um When you look at the quarter-by-quarter breakdown, with Mahomes at QB, the Chiefs have a higher winning percentage when they score zero points in the first quarter than they do when they score 14 points in the first quarter. And look, the Super Bowl is all about pacing yourself. The Falcons roared out to a huge lead. And what happened? Got come back on. Like, the, like it's all about, to me, pacing yourselves. And I think the Chiefs embody that, especially with such a poised head coach like Andy Reid. Like, a lot of teams get down by 10, 17, and 21, and, like, shit, like, we're about to lose this game. They start panicking. It's panic mode. The ball, the ball flies all over the place. They're making stupid plays. You know why Andy knows it's not over? Because he blew a 28-point lead his first <laughs> yeah. year at KC and an 18-point lead to Mariota a couple he's, years ago. He's like, yeah. yo, I know. I want, I've seen it all before. Mariota can do it to us. I can do it to Pat Mahomes. I can do it to anybody. <laughs> I can do it with anybody. So it's it's a lot about pacing yourself, really. Like, especially if you're – take the Falcons, for example, with the Patriots. The Falcons led with their best and most mighty punch, and it landed. But then when the Patriots countered, the Falcons looked back and were like, I got nothing else. What's going on? I got nothing else for you, dog. That, that first punch Counterpoint, they own. had the game won, and Shanahan screwed it up. That's very true. There's a lot of – there's a lot going for it on that fourth down, plus the missed field goal aided to that. But – they had nothing the left. They had nothing left in the tank. Not running the ball. They had nothing left in the tank. And the Patriots came running back. My point is, the Chiefs have so many tricks, so many tools in their arsenal that they can hit you with one punch and then hit you with two, three, four, five, and before you know it, fifty got put up on your head in three quarters. And, and they're and they're never out of it. That's that. They're, that they're never ever out of the game. And when you look at Mahomes against the top five de- in his career against top five defenses against the best of the best, he's five and zero. Oh. 66% completion percentage, almost eight yards per attempt, eight touchdowns, four interceptions, 95.3 passer rating. Like, when, when the, the bright lights, lights are yeah, on. When the lights are brightest, man. So is Patrick Mahomes. My, my, my dad has a saying, a red, a red dot player, a red light player. Like, when, when the camera's on, when it's recording, then the, I, I play my best. There's a few people who have that DNA, and Pat Mahomes is one of them. Yeah. People forget the AFC title game last year. He gave him a lead in the fourth quarter. Then... Brady gave him, then he came back, gave him another lead. Then he got the ball 39 seconds to go down three. He got him a field goal. He only didn't win because he lost the coin toss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he didn't get the chance. And, and absolutely right. I mean, it, it, 
it happens. Um, but someone who I think I know who you guys are rooting for in this game because mm-hmm. your old coach is is coaching, which. That actually warms my heart. It actually makes me happy. Don't listen to 94.1. You won't be too warm. No, I, I don't listen today. About. Angelo Cataldi needs to shut the hell yeah, up. Yeah, oh, man. shut the hell up. But I think he's purposely trying to embody a Negadelphian. I don't know if he truly, like, is that irate about Andy Reid. But I like that most of Philadelphia is rooting for Andy Reid because y'all be having grudges against people for no reason. So I'm glad this isn't one of them. But to that Andy Reid point, Andy Reid has 221 wins in his career as a head coach, the most of any coach without a Super Bowl championship. What is Andy Reid's legacy? Forget about is he, you know, you know, will this Super Bowl win further his legacy? What is his legacy? What is what is Andy Reid leaving behind? How does he stack up? Uh, I think it's pretty plain and simple. When it's all said and done, and if he wins this Super Bowl, which I, I do think will happen, I'm picking the Chiefs. He's going to be a top five coach of all time for a couple of reasons. He is one of seven coaches in history to go to the Super Bowl with two different teams, obviously Eagles and now the Chiefs. But when you look at the people who have came from Andy Reid's coaching staff and what they've gone on success, to do, Doug Peterson's won a Super Bowl. Doug McDermott's a very good coach. John Harbaugh's won a Super Bowl. Like you can go down the list of these guys who come from Ron Andy Rivera. Reid's system. Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera has gone to a Super Bowl. So. There's a lot of guys who are coming from Andy Reid's system and having ample amount of success. That speaks volumes to his Andy, legacy is for 20 years. He's always been at the front of offensive innovation. He, he, when he came in the league, everyone was like no shotgun sets and everything. He was one of the first coaches who looked in the college game because he viewed that as this is what these kids are good at. So why wouldn't I use that in the pro? Because that's what they're good at. He's been consistently on the forefront of offensive success. For 20 years, and so many coaches just, like, they have the run, and then they get figured out, and then it's over. He's adjusted every time. Right. The adaptability is just nuts. Right. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys something. I need you to answer this. Fair or unfair, Andy Reid chokes in the big game. Fair or unfair? Jake, you go first. I think it's unfair, personally. Like, is it his fault, necessarily, that Donovan is vomiting? That didn't happen. Yeah, I, a, I know, and happen. there's no footage of it. It did happen, Matt. I seen him do it. In a non-important game when it was just hot out. Donovan and T.O. That's why he threw up because it was hot. (laughs) No, but T.O. has spoken about it. Everyone else says it was deep dry heaving. It's okay. No, no, no. no. He He threw up, Matt. He He did not, one. And that game talking about he was really hot, that was against the Bucs, I remember. It was hilarious. Two, that's because McNabb's offensive line let him down. He got nailed by the Patriots all game. Matt, did he or did he not blow chunks? He did not in he that game in the chunks. Super Bowl. He no, there's not. actually no footage. I learned this because someone was, like, going off on Twitter, like, show me the footage. Show me the footage. It didn't happen. I'm like, oh, I'm about to find it. And there's no footage of him actually doing it, which I thought was the case. It's not. But okay, I, it's, I, it's Andy I, Reid chokes. His, his we failures, know McNabb chokes. His fa- no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think his failures are more upon if – if he had Patrick Mahomes on the Eagles, which is, like, a duh type thing, they would have won four Super Bowls. They would have won those NFC Championship games if you had an elite quarterback. Donovan McNabb was a very, very good quarterback who was made that by Andy Reid. I think Mahomes is someone who, if you put him on another team, he's still Patrick Mahomes. It's not made by Andy Reid. Donovan was made by Andy Reid to an extent. He was still a very good quarterback. But, I don't know, you look at like the Arizona game, the defense let him down in that game. I, I, I think that Andy It's has, a little overstated. It's, it's unfair, in my opinion, because Andy has gotten his team – 
in a position to win more times multiple, 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 multiple Way more times than not. What I think is not overstated, what I think is true, and I know there's someone on the side that disagrees with this, Andy Reid is the best coach in Philadelphia Eagles history. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love Andy. I love Andy. So, greasy. So I actually disagree, Greasy too. Neal. No, Jay, I knew he wrote that Jay, in the script. It's not, who the hell is Greasy Neal? <laughs> greasy Neal was their coach. That sounds like a, like a Peanuts character. Like, <laughs> greasy greasy Neal was their coach in the 40s. He had one year where they went 7-1-2 and two and missed the playoffs. That's kind of crap. Then they made the title game in 47, lost. 7-1-2. Then and won back-to-back titles in 48 and 49 and Matt, won in shutouts. Matt, they didn't have color TVs when he was coaching. Like, get out of here with the 40s. Like, they, no. they had five teams in the league aside from seven, the 7-1-2 and missed no, the but playoffs. But in my opinion, Andy, see, we had a conversation before the show about greatest versus best. Like, I'd say Andy's the best coach in Eagles history. I think Doug Peterson, because he's the only coach to bring a Super Bowl to the city, would be the greatest coach in Eagles history. I know it's nitpicking, but I'd still go with Doug just because he brought the hardware, and, and it's and, and Andy famously could not do that. So I want to say one thing about Andy. Eagles fans who root against Andy in this game because they don't like Andy are pathetic people. Andy is like the ex that you love but couldn't quite make it oh, work. Oh, here we with, go. Get into with, it. And, but you broke up on good terms. And then after <laughs> you had a rough patch, quote-unquote Chip Kelly, she sets you up with her friend, Doug Peterson. Oh. You and her friend get married, and now you hope for your ex to be happy too. Time out. Time out. What what who, what goes you date setting you up with their friends? Like, what? Well, if you leave on good terms with the ex, like, it's like a mutual I got thing. a couple exes that I'm on, two exes that I'm on good terms with. Shout out them. They know who they are. They're not setting me up with no friends. But I if they're in a happy that, relationship, like they want. They're still setting me up with no friends. You got to get better exes, bro. Uh, okay. We need a woman's point of view. I hate all my exes. Thank you. Okay. So, Jewel. Okay. Jewel, Jewel is sitting off camera right now, and we're going to enlist her in in this question. Oh, the daggers come out. Right? Jewel. Jewel. Yeah. Even if you did leave on good terms with one of your exes, are you setting them up with any friends? Oh, the, the razor blades and the daggers are coming out if I see them with any other female. My, I rest my case. So I don't know what, what magic girls you're finding. I need to meet them, Matt. But I don't know any girls that setting you up with their ex. All right. Well, now that we know that, you know, Matt, what I'm not betting on is one of my exes setting, them, setting me up with one of their friends. But there's a lot of other bets that can be placed for the Super Bowl. Um, the Super Bowl is the pinnacle, really, of sports betting with 26 million Americans betting $6.8 billion on this game on Wednesday. I am not a better. You guys seem to be betters. But, like, Y'all need to find, like, a hobby or something. Like, $6.8 billion being spent on a three-hour game? Like, my goodness. But there's a lot of, like, prop bets going on for the Super Bowl, so we're going to go all around the table and give me your best Super Bowl prop bets, your favorite prop bets of this year. Matt, we'll start with you. Uh, My two serious ones are the first scoring play of the game being a 49ers field goal, which is plus 400, and I put $20 on it. So hopefully that turns out to be $100. Uh, I also bet on will there be a lead change in the second half? That's plus 150 versus for yes, minus 170 for no. I definitely think there's going to be a lead change in the second half. Knowing the Chiefs, right? And the fun one is will the broadcast mention Steve Bono? They will mention Steve Bono. Steve Bono is one of the many quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that that has gone from the 49ers to the Chiefs and then started a playoff game for the Chiefs. That happened with Alex Smith, that happened with Joe Montana, and that happened with Steve Bono. So they're going to mention Steve Bono, and that's plus 600. They'll so, mention him. 
That's you're, good odds. You're super confident in that? They didn't mention. They tried to erase the last 49er quarterback that took yeah. the oh, 49ers. Man. To no. Oh, man. They really did. We talked about this last yeah. week. God, they Yeah, really but Steve tried. Bono never make, took a stand for justice, so oh, they don't yeah. have a problem with him. Right, they had no problem with him. speaking. Didn't speak up for anything righteous. Yeah, he can get included in the broadcast. No problem. Mine are pretty much all kind of goofy. Um, you're supposed to be serious for at least some of them. And why are you all goofy? Well, that's what prop bets are for. I don't know. Like, I, so, for instance, will Kiara Mia, the porn star that went on a date with Jimmy G, tweet about Jimmy G during the game? Yes is plus 200. No is minus 300. Has she tweeted about Jimmy G up until now? Because okay. if she hasn't tweeted about Jimmy G happen. up until now, she's not going to tweet about him. Straight anymore. facts family. I'm going to reach out to her via DM and see how much money she wants to make. If you would like to make... What is it? Two times your money plus 200? Tweet about Jimmy G. I'll put the money down for you. Tweet about Jimmy G. And you get a nice little paycheck. And I put $10,000 on it and make a very good paycheck. Let me tell you something. If you get this porn star... It's a porn star! ...to react to you at all... She is going to tell me shit. What she's going to tell me is, okay, where do I bet? I'm going to be like, uh, whatever website I saw this on, and we're going to make some money. Number two, what will be higher? The 49er point total in the game, how many points the Niners score, that's minus 190, or the number of tweets Donald Trump sends out on February 3rd, plus 145. Now listen, I've looked at the numbers. I think that you should hammer Donald Trump sending out more tweets than the Niners score total points. If something goes wrong in that impeachment trial for him, he is going to be on full bore. He tweeted out 142 times one day. If that happens, no, he did not. He did. Not in one day. So here's what. Here's the question. Holy though. Here's shit. the question. It's not straight tweets. He also retweets, and that's counted in. I don't know if that's counted in to this, uh, to this line. He's in Jersey right now. So he is in Wildwood right now. That is correct, Jewel. But I, I think for this. If something goes wrong in that impeachment trial, he's going to be on full blast, and there's no way the 49ers can keep pace. My politics insider speaking right now. The State of the Union is on Tuesday. Oh, let's so, go, Matt. So, so let's that, go, that Matt. Trump tweet count can be <laughs> really We have something up. y'all don't. <laughs> we have something y'all don't. Oh, man. And then Stat Matt doubles as a political insider. The, the, final, uh, the final bet that I have, Patrick Mahomes passing yards – which will be higher, Patrick Mahomes passing yards at minus 210 or Tiger Woods total strokes at the Masters plus 150. Got to wait two months to find out. Yeah, what? <laughs> the Masters are in April. Regardless, if Tiger has a nice Masters plus 150, I mean, how much is Mahomes throwing for? At least at least three at least three bucks. He's throwing for at least 300. That, well, they don't, they don't expect that. I would say that his over-under probably right now is like 240. Forty. No way. No. It's only two. Come on, Jake. Against the Niners? Look at your sheet. Matt's going to the sheet. <laughs> Go right to the now. sheet. Go to the sheet. I don't know. I, I just to me like. No way. It's at two four. It's at least like two eighty. Like they expect the Niners to to mess them up. It's essentially a pick 'em right now. Come on, Matt. Come on. All right. Well, he's finding that to prove you wrong. I'm gonna go through mine and. It's very noted on this show that I am not a better. So I've picked two prop bets that I think are good, but you're going to have to let me know if they're good or not. Okay? Just okay. 305 and a half. Thank ah. you. Thank you. I was wrong. All right. I'm slamming the under just for spice. I'm slamming the over. Um, so my, my first one's first, first score of the game will be a touchdown. Um, 
It's got a touchdown uh, at minus 165 and a field goal at plus one. You and Matt are going to be at straight-up odds here. You're gonna, Matt, Matt has it being a field goal. You're really going to go against Matt like that? Fuck yeah, I'm going to go against Matt. Who That's Matt? messed up, man. Who he's Matt? not even betting on the game, and he's doing it. Who Matt? <laughs> I'm going – I mean, I, I think the first score of the game is going to be a, a touchdown. You're going field goal. Yeah. All right. Well, then, you know, one of us is going to be really yeah. happy, me. Oh, I see. I was about if to it's you. a touchdown, if it's a kittle – I bet that <laughs> That's too. True. Matt's okay with it. Yeah. That's true. Um, and then I have um, first team to throw an interception 49ers at minus 130, Chiefs at plus 110. Oh, that's a good bet if you're taking the Niners. I was going to take yeah. the Niners. I was going to take Jimmy G as throwing the first interception. And what happens? I'm assuming if no interceptions are thrown, There's no bet. it just is a refund. It's a, it's refund. a push. Okay. Then my favorite one, the one that I am absolutely going for. Is will Shakira and and J Lo so both of them will they twerk during the Super Bowl halftime show? That's a huge yes for. I'm yeah, opti- I'm like wishfully thinking they're getting up there in age though. Like, oh are dog, they really okay, well, both be shaking it at the same time. Like what's going on? Does not say J-Lo? same time. Have you it does s- not say same time on the back. It doesn't say same time. It just says they both have to twerk. J Lo is 100 percent throwing that ass in a circle. She 100 percent is the last. Especially time if Pitbull's there. The last time I had you remember the last time they were okay. I remember the last time I saw J-Lo perform, she was with Iggy at what the billboards. They had this song called Booty and So like okay, like I had to I had to take my little brother away from the screen. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me let me let me kind of dive into this for a second. For his safety or your alone time? Both. both. <laughs> Absolutely both. So like if if they're going like side to side, like just like a shake, Jake. does that count? Or is it like a like a up and down type motion must be like. I wish y'all could really see Jake just try to act out both of these twerk. That like Jules I cannot, cringing I cannot believe that you just did that. Like holy hell! Answer um, the question. It's gotta be. It's gotta the, be up and down. In my the opinion. cheeks gotta move. I don't care. Like there's no defining a twerk. The cheeks yeah. gotta move. The twerk. The, the twerk is in the intent. Okay, a girl. Def- a girl decides what the twerk is. I don't know. With money on the line, I'd like stricter parameters. Nah, if that ass moves, that ass moves. I'm with it. What you think? I don't think it's going to happen. What? I don't think it's going to happen either. If Shakira does hips don't lie, which, come on, she's going to do it. She's again, grinding different from twerking. They're not going to grind on each other, no. But if you think at zero point in this halftime show, they're going to turn No, I think they'll grind on, like, a dancer or something. I don't think they'll twerk, though. That's, to me, that counts. Grind on each other. That that could be a possibility. To me, that counts. To me, that counts. Whatever. All right, before we go on to Jules' weekly wrap-up, let's just do a quick score prediction. Jake, what do you think the score is going to be? I'm going to go 30-23, Chiefs win. Okay. So that barely, depending too, on what you got the over at, that like barely hits it. That's not too high scoring. I think it's more high scoring than I go 34 31 Chiefs mm. win. Oh, that's really high scoring. Yeah. 27 23 Chiefs. You said that with too much conviction. I, I, have, a, I have a bet. Matt, One I, to six <laughs> points, Chiefs win. Matt, I, I, I really like appreciate your expertise. I love you a part of the show. I get a little mad when you're right about stuff like that. <laughs> I do. Like I get a little upset. Like why the is Titans? He... The Titans really sticks in his crawl. Oh, right like why that. was he right about that? What does Matt know that I don't? Best Super Bowl bet prediction I ever had is I said the Patriots would beat the Falcons in overtime mm. before the game. Did you? I guess you probably couldn't bet on it at that I, age. I didn't bet. Yeah. That. I kind of don't believe that you actually called that. I it's I have it's on radio. I have it documented. Bring it in. Check tape. Bring it in. All right, guys, almost time for the end of the episode, but it's time for the weekly wrap-up. A lot of things that happened this past week in sports, and Jewel's going to let us know. Take it away, Jewel. What's going on, everybody? Jewel, like a gem, like a diamond, out here today reporting on this past week in sports. This past week in sports, 15-year-old tennis star Coco Goff upsets number three-ranked Naomi Osaka at the Australian Open. Giants hire former Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens to be their new tight ends coach. 
and Bill O'Brien names himself GM of the Texans. All laughable. Oh, no, not all. Last two laughable. I'm sorry. Not Coco. I really wish I had better news to share with you this week. Uh, if anybody is a loyal fan of ours, you know I had to speak on behalf of the Delante West subject last week, and this week, unfortunately, I have to talk about one of uh, my favorite basketball players of all time um, losing his life. Uh, everybody knows that person is Kobe Bryant, and I. it's going to be very hard for me to talk about this, as it is for everybody to kind of think about it, talk about it, and it, you know, it's, we're, we're a community. It's okay to talk about it, and I apologize in advance if I cry over this, because this is going to be a very raw segment, and I, in fact, I, I, this segment really is supposed to be talking on various subjects, and I, I had to ask the guys for this to be an open discussion this week, because I, I I'm not entirely sure I can handle all this by myself. So, with that being said, um, on Sunday around 10 a.m., uh, Kobe Bryant, along with eight others, lost their lives in Calabasas um, in a helicopter crash, as uh, everyone knows by now. Um, we So we, each week, as much as you think we just wing it out here, we have a, uh, we have a, a phone call to discuss what topics we want to talk about. And, um, you know, we hopped on the phone, we did our thing, normal Sunday routine, and we, we got off the phone, and about 30 or so minutes later... I get a text from from Jake in our group text that says, quote unquote, this is legitimately disorienting. I get a text from James very shortly after, I'm sick to my stomach. And I'm thinking to myself, for one, I'm a, I'm a little nervous, I'm a little scared. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't a screenshot attached to it. And usually when we have updates or news, for one, I'm usually the first to hear about it and put it in the group. I'll take creds for that. And and two, they're just, again, there wasn't a screenshot or anything. So I'm thinking to myself, like, what the hell are they talking about? So I had to ask. I said, what's going on? What's up? James replied with, of course, the horrific news that apparently Kobe Bryant had died in a helicopter crash. Um, immediately, I, you know, went straight to Twitter, Safari, uh, continuously refreshed over and over and over again until I finally came to the very quick re realization, as all of us did, um, that news was true. And, uh, you know, when TMZ reports something at first, you're like, ah, you know, not these guys again. They're covering something, you know, they're just trying to get the hot news, the hot topic. It might be a hoax, this, that, the other. That quite obviously was not the case this time. Um, again, I uh, right after the whole Twitter and the, the refreshing the Safari, I immediately turned on MSNBC and Sports Center all day. Um, I do want to point something out besides that day. Um, obviously, this is a day everyone's going to remember in history. This is a milestone, and this is such a loss for our generation, and I think a lot of people's generation. This is just, he was just a, such an iconic figure. Um, you know, every Wednesday we film our episode, and Beforehand, you know, I obviously do my research, I do my homework, but today I decided to sit at a diner and collect my thoughts beforehand because I knew this was going to be a tough day, this was going to be a tough episode, and my waiter ended up coming over to me towards the end of me kind of having my dinner, or I apologize, my lunch, and she, she had to ask me, are you, are you okay? Because I was tearing up. I said, no, I'm not. 
I, I'm not okay. I have to I have to talk about the Kobe Bryant loss in a couple hours on my podcast. And she said, oh, my God, my parents attended Lower Marion, this, that, and the other. So, you know, that, that spiraled very quickly. Um, I don't want to get too off topic, but that I think that moment, that just says how many people were affected across the country. I'm out here in Wilmington, Delaware, talking about this right now. Um, look, we all watched Kobe grow up before our eyes. He made mistakes. He evolved. He was relatable, especially being from the Philadelphia area. He was one of our own. As a public figure, that's something we all need to expect when you're watching from the outside in. Kobe as a player, let's talk about it. He was living proof that discipline and determination was your best friend. And it showed by how smooth of a player he was and all of the plays he was a part of. He spent half of his life in the NBA. That's 20 seasons. Let that sink in, please. That is half of his freaking life. He was the fourth leading scorer in NBA history. And just Saturday night, right here in Philadelphia, Bryant tweeted a message in support of LeBron James, who passed his record here at Wells Fargo. Out of the very, very many interviews from colleagues, friends, coaches over the past few days, very short time span, out of the past couple days, there were five in particular interviews that stuck out to me, and I'm not going to go too in-depth on each, but I do want to touch on each briefly because I think certain quotes out of each are, they stuck with me. Let me leave it at that. Those interviews were the Metal World Peace interview the day of. He was called on to, uh, he was one of the uh, first interviews actually on um, uh, MSNBC. Um, The Doc Rivers interview, the TNT interview last night of Dwayne Wade and Shaq and all the guys kind of speaking their piece. Matt Mauser interview, who was the husband of Christina Mauser, who was one of the nine victims on board, an ESPN analyst. Of course, we all saw that Jay Williams emotional message on air the day of. As I mentioned, Metta World Peace's day of interview, he was apologizing just as I did right off the bat um, that he wouldn't be able to speak about this topic. This was a man who not only was a competitor of Kobe, of Kobe Bryant, but he played next to him. And after some conversations, the words that stuck out to me that he said in particular were, was, I thought I'd have more time. Keep in mind, he was having this interview on air while the Lakers were coming home from Philadelphia and arriving, and we were seeing an aerial view of LeBron James crying to his news that he received on the plane, along with his teammates. Um... The second interview that really stood out to me uh, was the Doc Rivers interview um, the day of. Uh, Keep in mind, again, that Doc was one of Kobe's fiercest rivals when he was coaching the Celtics against the Lakers in two NBA finals. Even noting to the reporters that people think because you compete against each other that you don't have a relationship and you don't like them. I think it's the exact opposite. Sometimes the more you compete, the more respect you have for the opponent. And that's what I felt like with Kobe and how his energy affected all these players and these coaches around the world. He was so universal in so many aspects. Um, This was one of the more raw interviews. And quite obviously, we all saw he he couldn't hide his emotions. He couldn't even gather his words to form sentences. He had to say, great, now you just interviewed me. Now I just have to go talk to somehow, go talk to my players to hype them up for a game. 
he even pointed out that some of his younger players who didn't even know him were so affected by this because it's such an it's a community in the NBA. Well, I'm affected by it. I don't even know him. It just it truly shows what an impact not only he was to the basketball world but society in general. Um, Doc also said he was getting to know him even more since his retirement, along with other players and coaches who have across the board have been saying very similar things. And that screams to me, Kobe was making the time to know them after everything was said and done in his career. Since he was so laser focused when he was active as a player, he was making that time, you know, post career to kind of share his knowledge and his wealth. Um, Number three, that uh, TNT interview last night of Dwayne Wade and Shaq. I'm sure all everyone watched that. That was a heartbreaker as well. Um, Dwayne Wade is and has been one of my favorite players of all time. And it's it's a little ironic as well because his favorite players, as he said in the interview, were Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, and Kobe Bryant. My favorite players of all time are Dwayne Wade, Allen Iverson, and Kobe Bryant. Um, he speaks about how Kobe finally acknowledged him being on the same level as him with that Mamba mentality. Let me explain if you haven't watched the interview quite yet. They were both on the USA team. They were working out pregame one day, and uh, they started, the trainer had them do push-ups next to each other, and they were holding their push-ups for about three to four minutes, and uh, Kobe finally looked at the trainer and said, you tell me he's just like me. If Kobe Bryant told me you didn't tell me he was just like me, I, I would fall flat on the floor. Dwayne, Dwayne finally knew that he accepted and respected him as an individual. And we all saw Dwayne's farewell post as well. That Again, I'm talking about quotes outside of each of these guys. The, the line that stuck out to me the most was, thank you for being my friend at the end of it. This guy, you know, as, as much of a fierce competitor as he was on the court, he was off the court. He was just, he was a friend to people, all of these guys. He was family. He was an idol. Um, this one, I don't know if I can talk about at all very long. The Matt Mauser interview, um, the husband of Christine Mauser, who was one of nine victims on board, um, leaving behind three kids. Uh, his quote that stood out to me um, how do you tell a child, um, how do you tell a child their mommy's no longer with us? Um, I, I can't, and I don't think I can go into detail about that because that's pretty self-explanatory. It's very, very sad. Um, last but not least, the I think the interview that really got us all was the Jay Williams ESPN analyst emotional message day of. Um, Williams and Bryant both overlapped in the NBA. In Williams and Bryant both overlapped in the NBA during the 2002-2003 um, season before Williams' NBA career was actually cut short by his motorcycle accident. And he put out a quote for us all to read, and uh, he said on air, he said it, and I hope that everybody at home, you give that person next to you whatever thing you have wrong in your life with them this might be small or big let that shit go i'm sorry for cursing it doesn't matter i know i curse and i'm sorry none of that sh stuff matters man listen this is about life and being precious with every damn second we have here because from somebody who knows it it almost happened to me like that man it's just over i'm done randomly 
it's done randomly, arbitrarily. Um, that that I think for a lot of people was the final blow of the day, uh, and I know that happened early on. But that that just what do you guys think? That that one suck it. That one suck in the most. I mean, me. it it was. I have the utmost respect for any any analyst, any broadcaster who was able to go on minutes, moments after that tragedy happened and, yeah, to think and, quick. and articulate full sentences and full thoughts and full words. It's three days after the event, and I still have trouble articulating full sentences of how I feel about it. So for Jay Williams to go on mere minutes after he found out and broadcast to millions of people watching, it's one thing for us to sit here and talk about it amongst ourselves. We feel our energy and our pain. When you step in front of a camera and a mic, you now feel the the weight and energy of millions of people looking at you. And to keep it together in that moment is as professional as it gets as a broadcaster. And, like, the point he made to me is what I take away. Like, what was most shocking is, like, my girlfriend told me Kobe Bryant died. I'm like, that, that can't, can't be, be real. true. Can't be real. That can't be real. It can't be Kobe Bryant. Um, how fleeting life can be is... Very scary. Like, it's like if this idol, it could happen to this monumental figure in society. It could happen to freaking anybody. And I like so personally. Like, I, we were joking around. Like, I was like, it's my buddy healed year. Like, I wasn't Kobe's biggest fan, but yeah. like, always had the utmost respect. And what I think brings me solace thinking about you know, the 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 sickness that is him and his little girl. Yeah. Uh. It's tough to swallow. It's very, really tough. Very tough. Um, like what gets me is, you know, they said this is you know the, the biggest passing uh, since Michael Jackson, and uh, you know I'd have to agree. But the difference between Kobe and Michael Jackson is Michael Jackson had his issues. They were well documented. They were well noted. Michael Jackson was in the hospital. You know what I mean when when he passed. Kobe Bryant stepped on that helicopter in full health with the love. Of one of his family and members. routinely, might I add, he's done that free routine. all the time, all, uh, entire career, all the time. To and he did it his entire career to spend the most amount of time with his family, which is also what really gripped me up when I found that out. But Kobe Bryant stepped on this helicopter, not only in good health, but with hundreds of men, women, and children at a camp at a basketball game, waiting for him to arrive, so he could inspire them. So he was going to do what Kobe Bryant set out to do for the rest of his life. What really groups me up is, you know, a man who who dedicated the, the back half of his life to inspiring the, the next generation and was just beginning to scratch the surface of the impact he was going to make in retirement from the game of basketball. He had so much more to give, and I, I feel wronged almost that for Kobe, for his family, for the game of basketball, for everything for life that that kobe was taking before he got to realize that so what i was trying to get out um is what gives me solace is you're right he had so much more to give but this was a guy who never ever would i ever like i know for a fact kobe bryant gave 110 percent in whatever he was doing he didn't you know on the court he did not leave anything you know leave it all on the floor that's what he did every single time out there so knowing that gives me a little bit of solace um when thinking about this but We've seen how how affected the current players have been and how affected the players who he played with have been. It's it, it's really tough, but all that I can say is, you know, take every day 
It, look, look every look at every day as an opportunity to give 110 percent, and that to me is Kobe Bryant's legacy. Absolutely. But the only thing I want to leave leave it with is there are you know nine people on that helicopter and hundreds of thousands to millions of people who don't wake up every day. When you do, you almost have a responsibility to those who were not able to wake up today to better yourself and whatever you do, you know, be be better than you were yesterday. Kobe embodied that and the, the many people on that helicopter, I'm sure, embodied that too. So as as the blessing of life gets bestowed upon us every day when we wake up, I just encourage everyone to do something with that. If you want to honor Kobe's legacy, support women's basketball. Absolutely. Huge, he was a huge proponent of WNB, obviously, his little girl uh, was going to be a very good basketball player as well. And that was really beautiful, guys, what you said. And I do want to leave off with this. Um, as some of you may know, I am a St. Joe's graduate class of 2015. I had the honor of very briefly meeting Kobe uh, my freshman year, actually, after a Lakers game. He had come back to visit Larry's Cheesesteaks um, at St. Joe's, which is right on campus. Um, I got word during the day that Kobe was coming back after the game. This, these were all rumors. Um, and, you know, I, I ended up getting a call from a friend around 12 o'clock at night saying, Jewel, it's, it's confirmed. Uh, Kobe Bryant's down at Larry's Cheesesteaks. So I threw on a sweatshirt very quickly. We uh, booked it down City Ave. Uh, I, I want everybody to imagine that right now, me just throwing something on, sprinting down to the app, because it's just about as horrifying as it sounds. <laughs> and um, th this is a true story. I, um, I, I analyzed the situation very quickly. I, I saw majority of the people were going in the indoor like any normal human being would be doing. And uh, not, not sure, not sure. She, she, she strategized very quickly. I, uh, thank God, had fake nails at that point. And I, I happened to... I saw he was coming around the bend, come back out. So I clawed my way into the outdoor and I caught him on his way out. And I quickly scanned the room um, as he was approaching me. And, and, and I, I saw that if I was not one of the only girls, I believe I was probably the only girl in there. I looked up to him and I asked him, I said, can I get a picture with you? And he said, he looked down at me and he said, of course, babe. He said, of course. Just so naturally, just so acceptingly, and he, without hesitation, he said, of course. And that's a picture we're probably going to be showing on social media. And um, I just want to end with this. Um, looking back on that moment, it, it was Kobe the player at the time. I was so mesmerized in that, uh, at Larry's Cheesesteaks that night. Now, looking back at it, it's Kobe, the human being I'm being mesmerized by after hearing the variety of stories throughout the last couple days. Um, my final words on this are these. I hope this is the worst tragedy as a sports fan in our generation that we ever experience. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't know if I can handle it. I have been on and off crying for the last couple of days. I think a lot of people have. And I, besides meeting him very briefly at Larry's, I, I, I don't even, I don't know him. And I, it, it, it beats me up and it hurts my heart that I wasn't even paying closer attention to his career when he was alive. Um, there is so much pain in my heart 
for the nine victims on that plane. I, I, I really can't even still process what was going down in those moments. I, I can't even fathom um, what Vanessa Bryan is currently feeling or any of the other family members of those victims. But I, I my, my heart is with you entirely. Uh, Straight Facts is with you entirely. And um, we have your back. And um, Kobe, we want us to push through. So that's what we're going to do. Um, it's been real. We were trying to have fun this week. Um, until next week, fam. I'll be talking to you. All right. Well, that was very well said. I think that was necessary to be said, Jewel. Beautiful. Beautiful, um, Jewel. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that story as well. We so, that. trying to pick it up on a bit of a lighter note, let's head into the countdown, James, number five. The number of AFC quarterbacks to make the Super Bowl in the 2010s, um, that's only a limited list of quarterbacks who've made it in the past decade. Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Joe Flacco, Peyton Manning, and now Patrick Mahomes. The NFC has had nine different quarterbacks, so a lot more variety and parity in the NFC than the AFC. AFC's pretty much been dominated by those five quarterbacks. Right, not surprising either. Right, number four. The number of all-star MVPs for Kobe Bryant in his career, tied with Bob Pettit for the most in NBA history. Look, this guy didn't take a game off. Didn't matter if it was the all-star game. He's giving you 100%. Especially the all-star game is the best of the best playing. If anyone was going to come out that with an MVP, it was going to be Bean. Just a quick story I heard on the Scound Pals pod. Paul Pierce and Kobe were in L.A. 8.30 in the morning shooting a Nike commercial. Okay, Kobe, you come down. You shoot this jump shot. All right, Paul Pierce, do a move here. Okay, we got that shot. All right, now uh, you guys play one-on-one and just, like, you know, you do a move and you do a move and that'll be the commercial. So they do. Paul Pierce dribbling around. Kobe, boom, jams him, checks the ball away. Paul Pierce like, oh, okay, okay. And then he comes down, tries to hit him with like the Steve Smith move. Kobe bodies him up. Like ball goes flying. So these guys end up playing like hardcore one-on-one. For a like Nike commercial. <laughs> as hell, Nike commercial. That, that speaks Kobe, to Kobe man. Bryant, the player right there. I love it. Number three. The amount of three-point... God, I know you put this in here. Who put it? Me? The, the amount of three-pointers Jimmy Butler has hit in the past 19 games, 24.5%. Like, what What do you want to say about... What are you going to say about Jimmy Butler Point right being, now? shooting is not that important when you can do other things on the basketball court. Just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Right, for one player, no, yes. No, something to keep in mind. For one player, yes. Oh, get out of here! Just something to keep in mind. Get out of here! Next time we talk about Ben Simmons. You were slick. You were slick. We got any repeat. Just something to keep in mind. You were slick. We got any here. Number two. The number of 49ers left from the 2012 team that also made the Super Bowl, Joe Staley and Garrett Selleck. Uh, Brother of, of Eagles, uh, former Titans. Brent Selleck, that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so. He's on IR right now. Yeah, I was about to say I haven't heard much of him, but Joe Staley, that's a, a block. Yeah, he's been he's been he's been a solid piece for a long time, Joe Staley. But uh, number one, number one, and the most important, uh, the number of players in NBA history to have two numbers retired by the same team. Again, Kobe Bryant. We leave off with that. Um, with just the the legacy and life of Kobe Bryant, it cannot be stated enough how how much we miss him, how much the game and the world is going to miss him. But um, it's almost that's almost the amount of time we have for this episode, but we can get some shots up at the buzzer. Julie, you have anything to say at the buzzer? Yeah, I just, I want everybody to be safe out there. Please, yeah. please, please, please. Everyone be safe and everybody have a very 
blessed rest of 2020. Yes. I, I positive vibes from here on out, please. Abs absolutely. This isn't part of my at the buzzer, but I will state this. If you are talking to a close friend, a loved one, anyone you care about over the phone, you're about to leave them. Do not leave them. Leave that interaction without saying goodbye. I love you or get there. Some sediment, please, because you just you never know when the last time is you're going to talk to someone. Jake, do you have anything, anything to say at the buzzer? Yeah, just just take every day. Like it's your life. I mean, I know it's super cliche, but like, dude, put all the cliches out. There's there. a there's a Kobe quote out there that it also doubles as like an old boomer dad quote, where it's like, I don't understand lazy people, and I don't want to. Like, I could just see that written on a mug, but yeah. it it, it uh, totally encapsulates what Kobe was about: working hard and just getting, squeezing everything for that last drop, making sure you live up to your potential. That's that's what I'm going to be focused on at least for the rest of this year. Hopefully rest of my life 100 percent um to wrap up you know basically what you guys have, have both put out there um there were nine other victims that were on that helicopter that that tragic helicopter incident that kobe and his daughter um nine total sorry sorry so seven others that were on that tragic helicopter accident that kobe and his daughter gianna were a part of and unfortunately for them and their families their legacy in life isn't going to get dived in dove into as much as kobe bryant and gianna bryant's legacy will but i'm sure everyone has a story to tell everyone leaves behind a legacy and i'm sure that those seven other people had just as capsulating of a story to tell behind them so i want to extend my condolences and my thoughts to their families as well i implore you to as much as you're reading up about kobe bryant over these next days weeks whatever you also check in to the lives and legacy of those seven other people because i'm sure they have a story to tell as well and it's just as much noteworthy as kobe and gianna's but i will leave it off at that thank you guys for getting through this episode with me i appreciate you so much for this crew for what you were doing Big ups to Greg Barron and Kyle Sobieski and Stat Matt for everything that you guys do. For my awesome partner, Joel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main man's Jake Galley. We love you guys. And these have been the facts. Mamba out.